I'm Marinero. Earlier today at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, to be exact, the Montreal Canadiens made it official. They sent 34-year-old right-handed defenseman Jeff Petrie and 23-year-old centerman Ryan Paling to Pittsburgh. In return, they got 28-year-old left-handed defenseman from Point Claire, Quebec, Mike Matheson, and a fourth-round pick in 2023. The Canadians said that they were only going to trade Petrie if it was a deal that made sense for them. You got the feeling that they wanted to trade the contract without taking any money back. Kent Hughes just told us that wasn't realistic. He took money back. As a matter of fact, the player he got back has four years left on his contract while Petrie had three. But he does save money. And with that money he spent, he was able to get a valuable player under contract, which looked like it wasn't going to be the case up until yesterday. Does this deal make the Montreal Canadiens better? Does it make sense? We'll break it all down and take a look at the analytics with Jack Fraser from EP Rinkside. I'm Montreal Sports Authority. I'm on live. It's a sick podcast. I'm Marinaro. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinaro. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast. We're live on a Saturday afternoon. It is 4.49 p.m. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for being here. You were waiting for it. You wanted it. Maybe some of you did. Well, we know that he did, and so did his family. Jeff Petrie's family wanted a trade. As a matter of fact, they wanted to go play in the United States of America. They got their wish. Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling were traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier today in return for Mike Matheson and a fourth-round pick in 2023. Let's break it all down. By the way, we are live on Twitter. We're live on Instagram, and we are live um, on uh, Facebook. As a matter of fact, live on Facebook and on Twitter and on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. And why don't we do this? I'll bring in from EP Ringside, Jack Fraser, to break it all down. Jack, what's going on? Uh, a lot as a Penguins fan. A, a whole lot to try to keep track of and, and just make sense of what has happened with their blue line in the past five hours or so. So hold on a second. For Penguins fans, there's a lot, or does that mean that you're a Penguins fan too? I, I am a Penguins fan. You are a Penguins fan. Okay, so how does Jack Fraser, before we get to Jack Fraser in terms of data analysis and being a, a numbers guru, how does Jack Fraser, the hockey fan, accept this trade or not without even looking at any numbers? Like it or not, and why? I I am pretty in the middle on it. Like, I, I've always liked Jeff Petrie as a player. Mike Matheson was a guy who I was whose contract I was very nervous about as a Penguins fan, uh, but who I think it's fair to say had a very nice season last year. I think surprised a lot of Penguins fans with how well he did in a second pair role. So I, I was kind of 
starting to to soften up to him as as a long term top four defenseman on the Pens. Uh, but given the timeline of the team and the quality of play that Jeff Petrie has given the Habs in the past couple of years, you know, even stretching into last year after the struggles at the start, I'm I'm pleased that at least they didn't just do a pure cap dump with him and they did get a, a strong player back. All right. Okay. So now let's take a look at from the numbers perspective. All right. You threw out a couple of charts there, but before we do, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by, of course, 8.6 Beer Intense, like me by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And Lacage, if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs had a 50 goal score, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. All right. Okay. Who is Mikey Matheson? Before we bring up the chart, there's a thing or two that I can tell you about Mikey Matheson. All right. Uh, Mikey Matheson is from Point Claire, Quebec. A good old West Island boy. As a matter of fact, he used to attend John Rennie High School in Point Claire. My boys attended that school. And he was part of their Spotted program. And I remember one day actually uh, going to, uh, I'm not so sure if it was the school, but one of their events and interviewing Mikey Matheson when he was, I think, a, probably a Sec 3 or a Sec 4 student. And I said to myself, I said, my God, this young man is mature beyond his years. And uh, I had heard that he skated like the wind, and I had a chance to see him after. And his skating is just an absolute thing of beauty. One of the most elegant skaters in the National Hockey League. It's, 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 it's effortless. It really is amazing to watch. And uh, he took the route of the USHL, and then he took the route of Boston College, for three years. He was drafted by the Florida Panthers in 2012. He was a first round pick who went 23rd overall. The Panthers signed him to a very long term deal. Uh, he spent about five seasons with the Panthers before being traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Spent the last two seasons with the Penguins a couple of years ago with 16 points in 44 games. Had a little bit of a tough time in his final year in Florida and maybe his first year in Pittsburgh. But coming off a real good season with the Penguins, 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points in 74 games, a plus 12 in seven playoff games, one goal, five assists and six points. Uh, Kent Hughes rattled off a bunch of uh, points and percentages and said that offensively speaking, he was in the top 85 to 90 percentile of NHL defensemen. So now why don't we get to some charts that you put together uh, Jack, uh, Jack for EP ringside. Let's bring them up on Mike Matheson. There's two charts in particular. Okay. This one here talks about his uh, war percentile timeline, uh, even strength offense versus defense. I know you have the numbers in front of us for someone who's not too good with this kind of stuff. And I know I'm not, you're great. Can you explain it to me and everyone listening and everyone watching right now? Sure. So the point of these cards, I think, is to present, you know, kind of the, the stats that are on the cutting edge of hockey analytics in, you know, all in one place, at least where you can kind of get a glance at them. So the the real thing that you'd look at for Matson here, you know, generally things are looking pretty good. You know, it, it's kind of a pretty simple, you know, blue is good. Red is bad. All the percentages are, I mean, like Kent Hughes used, they're all the percentiles around the league. So these, this is comparing him to other defensemen in the NHL in these categories. So if you're looking at the even strength offense and defense, that's how he contributes to his team uh, getting scoring chances when he's on the ice or, or not giving up that many scoring chances. 
bit above average offensively, right about average defensively. Uh, th- those two very blue squares in the bottom left corner, that's his goals per 60 rate and his assist, uh, assist per 60 rate at five on five uh, in the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Uh, extremely strong, uh, mostly because of this season where, like you mentioned, you know, the, the 11, 11 goals, you know, 34 points or 33 points, almost all of that was at even strength. Uh, very strong production year for him, and and it That's coincided, awesome. I think, with with some very good play overall. Uh, and and the real thing that you'd want to focus on for this player is that top uh, top right percentile timeline. So that is where he's ranking in overall play compared to the rest of the league uh, over the past three seasons individually. You can see, you know, looking like kind of a bottom pair guy for those uh, 1920 and 2021 seasons and then rockets up this year. And, and I think as somebody who's a Penguins fan who watched him play all year, I, that totally checks out from the eye test as well. Like this was a, a real strong season for him. Uh, maybe a little unexpectedly where I think the, the raw talent that he has, and, and you alluded to it with his smooth skating uh, really translated into results. You know, he played a top four role, pretty sheltered, you know, didn't get the tough matchups, but he was really able to kind of take off and, and and make a big leap offensively. And and I think that's probably what Ken Hughes is looking at, what his analytics team is looking at, and probably what Martin St. Louis would like to have him do based on the way that, that St. Louis has, has had him playing. There's another chart uh, that you put up on Twitter. And by the way, you can follow Jack at JFreshHockey uh, via Twitter. End zone offense, rush offense, zone entries, and his 2022 5v5 microstats, as well as D-zone retrievals. Explain this to us if you can. Yeah, so when people talk about NHL teams having analytics department and having all this kind of proprietary fancy data that we don't have access to, uh, these are the kind of stats that they have. So we're fortunate enough to have somebody, uh, Corey Schneider, who who has a project called the All Three Zones Project, who watches hundreds of games throughout the season, uh, tracks all these extremely detailed stats that that are the kinds of stats that NHL teams are collecting and looking at. So the Habs have a pretty decent-sized uh, analytics department. These are the kinds of numbers that they're considering and probably the kinds that, that Ken Hughes was alluding to. Um, and so, you know, in, in this case, they're split into some categories. Uh, one that I, you know, always highlight when I talk about Mike Matheson, going back to his time in Florida, is you, you see the zone entries and zone exits. You see that the carry entries and carry exits, uh, the, the second on the right of both of those categories. That yes. is what he loves to do the most. Like he he skates extremely well and he loves to carry the puck from his own defensive zone into the offensive zone. Uh, this season, he did a great job of turning those chances into shots. You look at the, the very bottom left corner on the rush offense, ranking 96th percentile on the league in rush shots. You know, that's that's an elite rate. And, and that wow. will tell you that that he's carrying the puck from his defensive zone into the offensive zone and actually turning those opportunities into shots instead of kind of, you know, running into a wall and, and running out of space. Now, that is what now, the Habs are going to want to do. Jack, if I can, a lot of people are going to look at these stats and say they look great. He's playing on a team with Malkin and Crosby and Latang, and he's playing with uh, Gensel, and you know, the list goes on and on. They have a lot of weapons in uh, in Pittsburgh and probably going to say, you know what? Yeah, it's good, but he's a byproduct of the system and the players that he's playing with. I would argue that playing in Montreal on a Marty St. Louis team, uh, Marty wants them to carry the puck. He wants them to be able to take decisions with the puck. He wants them to move the puck. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off. I know there's no Crosby and Malkin in Montreal, but I don't think there's going to be a drop-off. It, uh, it's it's a fair 
assessment. I mean, obviously, you know, none of us know what's going to happen. New system, new team, new new line mates, and everything like that. You know, the the thing you have to keep in mind with this player is that this was kind of a, a bit of a late breakout year for him. Like he he was always good with the carries. He was always good at at making those plays in transition. But I think he connected some dots that he hadn't previously been able to connect. You know, turning those carries into offense instead of having things kind of wind down once he got into the zone. Uh, improvements on his zone entry defense, especially. I think that was something that he really worked on in Pittsburgh. Um, and these are all things that are, are, you know, they're independent skill sets in that you need to be a strong skater and puck carrier to be able to pull them off. But it does help to have a strong infrastructure in place that allows you to do that. And, you know, like you said, I think the system that the Habs run will fit what Mike Matheson likes to do. But a lot is going to come down to the way they deploy him, whether they also kind of consider him as somebody that they'd like to shelter or whether he's going to be put into a kind of top pair, toughest competition, you know, uh, type of role, whether he's going to be seeing a lot of ice time with the have skilled players. Uh, you know, all of that is going to come together and really determine whether this kind of raw skill set that he's always had and finally put into place in Pittsburgh this past season is going to be able to kind of continue on in Montreal because, you know, it's a long contract and, and yeah. you know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and it's going into his 30s, which is always a concern and which is kind of a concern that I had had with the contract when he signed it or when he was traded to the Penguins. Um, we've seen the upside of him now. Uh, we've seen this season come together, and the question is just going to be, in Montreal, is he going to have the talent around him to help him thrive to the extent that he did this past year, uh, or are we going to see those kind of team effects and system effects hurt him as he, as he goes forward? All right, so you mentioned uh, the numbers in blue. Dark blue are very good numbers. As long as they're blue, they're good. If they're red, they're not so good. And in his case, I mean, most of the numbers are in blue. On the flip side, let's take a look at Jeff Petrie now, the player the Montreal Canadiens give up, who they kind of felt they didn't have much of a choice because his family preferred that he played in the United States of America uh, because of with uh, COVID and quarantining and all that stuff. It just would make their life so much easier where um, the restrictions are uh, much, much less. All right, okay, explain these numbers to us. What is uh, 8% there? Yeah, so the eighth percentile, and this this should be no surprise to any of your uh, any of your viewers who have watched the Montreal Canadiens power play with Jeff Petrie on it for the past couple of years. That yeah. is his isolated contribution to the Montreal Canadiens on the power play. So how are they able to create dangerous chances when he's on the ice? Uh, and as somebody who's seen him play in a five on three situation and send muffins to the net from the point, uh, no surprises there. I, that checks out absolutely for me. Um, you know that he's he's never been a strong power play player uh he's not really going to have to be in pittsburgh hopefully uh if if you know Latang's able to stay healthy um that and that that's easily the biggest weakness of his game for, from from my perspective and i'm sure that that many Habs fans would back me up on that uh but generally speaking i think there's a lot of similarities here to the matheson chart that i just showed you in terms of the offense being well above average the defense play being kind of give or give and take um, the goal scoring and shooting very strong um, difference being, of course, that, you know, he's obviously much older than Matheson. Uh, he plays the right side uh, and he played kind of a top pairing role, you know, against decent competition, which, which Matheson obviously didn't. Um, that that I, PK I, number, that PK number at 30% doesn't look great either. Can you explain that one to me? 
Well, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens special teams have just been such a mess for so long that I do sometimes question the the extent that that system and and you know just general situation might be affecting those. And and you know, just to be totally candid, the the special teams numbers are maybe they're kind of the the fuzziest of, of all of these in terms of their their reliability, just because of you know the realities of the data that's available to us and and how much things like pre shot movement can affect things on special teams. Um, you know, again, my eye test on Petrie's penalty killing has never been super strong, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to have to kill penalties in Pittsburgh, uh, if he's going to have those responsibilities, uh, or maybe, you know, the coaching will just, will just sort that out. Um, the other thing that I would highlight kind of in contrast to Matheson is if you look at those kind of timelines on the right-hand side, they're not too bad, but they are okay. sloping downward because, you know, he's in his mid thirties. I think he's, yes. you know, you can argue that any player in their mid-30s is going to lose a step. So unlike Matheson, who was kind of not looking great and then had a fantastic season, you know, I think he really picked it up in the second half. He certainly started off not looking very good at all. Um, but I think his numbers kind of recovered, and they represent maybe just a slight dip from from what he had done before in, in all aspects other than the goal scoring. Um, but it is still kind of a slow decline. And with three years left on that deal, you are, you never really are quite sure of when a player might kind of suddenly fall off a cliff. So that's Jack, definitely me, a risk that they're considering. For me, this deal is pretty simple. You have a defenseman in Jeff Petrus coming off of probably the worst season of his career in exchange for a defenseman, Mike Matheson, who's coming off of uh, one of, if not the best seasons of his career. And now what you need to figure out was, was this just a bad season for Petrie and a great season for Matheson? Or is this part of what can be a trend where Petrie is going to continue to struggle and be on a downward spiral? And Matheson, who you would think has entered the prime of his career at age 28, is going to be able to duplicate and maybe even better what he just did. That's what it's going to come down to. And basically only time will tell. But speaking of time, we know this. The law of physics says that Jeff Petrie was 34 and will turn 35 in December, you would think is going to be on a decline. And Mikey Matheson, who's been in the National Hockey League for about, what, eight or nine years now, at age 28, you would think is in his prime and will have his best years over the next couple of years. That's what the law of physics tells you. Whether it works out to be that way, uh, who knows? What does teammates' ratings mean? This coming in from Brent Stone. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so the teammates is a measure of quality of teammates. So it's basically, has he been playing with guys who are in the top four? Uh, that will lead to a higher rating. Or is he playing with, you know, the Habs top forwards? That would also improve the rating. Uh, if you're a guy who's playing, you know, with bottom sixers mostly, then the teammates rating would go down. So it really is just, it's kind of a contextual way of understanding how the guy's getting deployed. So in Petrie's case here, you can see, you know, 78th percentile. That means that the Habs generally are playing him with their better players. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It, it's all kind of context to understand yeah. how the player has been used. I am uh, not surprised that uh, Ryan Paling was part of this deal. Uh, I can tell you that Paling has been on the block going back to the last management team. And I have said that before. Um, and gone on record with saying that. I know when the Canadians talked trade with the Arizona Coyotes and they acquired Christian Dvorak, they made Ryan Paling available to the Arizona Coyotes. They're not the team that they made, not the only team that they made Ryan Paling 
uh, available. Um, he has been on the block. Uh, the old management team was not sold on Ryan Paling, and clearly, uh, you just heard from Kent Hughes after the Canadians acquiring Kirby Doc, uh, they were comfortable with their center ice position of Nick Suzuki at center, Christian Dvorak at center, Kirby Doc at center, Jake Evans at center, and some other players who play the wing who can play center from time to time and made Ryan Paling expendable. The big question, though, is does Paling have a ceiling that he hasn't hit yet? Is this a player that the Montreal Canadiens will regret trading because he is a player who is still only 23 years of age? He turns 24 in early January. Let's bring up the numbers on Ryan Paling. Jack, what do the numbers say? Well, I, I think it's pretty evident what what they say uh, based on the the color swatches. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he has played about fourth line minutes. I mean, just to get back to that teammates that that uh, that your your viewer asked about. Yeah, uh, very very low. I mean, when they play him, they are playing him with their bottom of the lineup guys like he is not getting opportunities at the lineup and and frankly you know it's it's for it's for a reason it's because he is you know other than of course a very memorable game uh in his first nhl game in in toronto uh you know he's he's pretty much looked uh out of place he's he's looked like a minor leaguer and he's still young like you said and if there's any place if you're a young forward that you might want to go to resuscitate your career it would be pittsburgh because they have found ways consistently to turn guys who are struggling to really get their careers in in track who who have some potential uh to become decent depth contributors and i think that that is probably how the penguins see him is as a guy who maybe has a little bit of upside a former high pick um certainly he hasn't shown at the nhl level that he's ready to be an everyday player uh but the penguins every year have piles and piles of injuries. These kind of guys always end up getting into the lineup and they tend to do pretty well in Mike Sullivan's system. So I think it's a decent bet. I, if you had to ask me if I thought that he was going to be a, a you know, third line or, or second line player in the future, I, I would probably be a little bit pessimistic about that. But the Penguins have certainly done better with players with worse backgrounds. So, uh, you know, a little bet on potential. We'll see where it goes. Right. Okay, so now um, this deal is done. The Canadians saved some money in the deal, in case you're wondering. Petrie had three years left at $6.25 million. Matheson has four years at a cap hit of $4.875 million. Paling has a year left at $750,000. So it's, uh, you know, it's about $7 million going Pittsburgh's way. $4.875 million going Montreal's way. Once again, four years left for Matheson, three years left for Petrie, and so the Canadians do save money on the deal. Now, with the money they save on the deal, I know a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans a couple of days ago were distraught that it looked like the Canadians were going to be able to bring back Rem Pitlick. Well, they didn't want to go to arbitration because they they thought that they were not going to end up liking the number that the arbitrator was going to get. They weren't able to afford it. So what they did was they waited for a while. They made some cap money available. And now with this deal, they're able to sign Rem Pitlick to a two-year deal at $1.1 million per season. So, 
you know, the deal enables them, the deal which is Petrie and Paling for Matheson and a fourth, you can almost include Rem Pitlick to the Montreal Canadiens because if this deal doesn't happen, they probably can't get it done. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and I think they were justified in not wanting to go to arbitration with a guy who just shot pretty much 25% in the in the course of a season. Like, you know, Habs fans, I think, should probably moderate their expectations of what they're getting from Pitlick in the yeah. next two years. And But I think he's, you know, I would characterize him as a, you know, four, fourth liner, probably. And yeah, they paid him like a fourth liner. So All right. This coming in that. from Cap Friendly who tweets out, here's what Kent Hughes' offseason looks like so far for the Habs as they continue to create more cap space and flexibility for themselves. We knew that was a priority. So in is Evgeny Dadonov, who they picked up from Vegas, of course. In is Kirby Doc, And in is Michael Matheson. Out is Shea Weber. Alexander Romanov. Jeff Petrie. Ryan Paling. The result is $4.982 million in cap space saved. That's what they were able to do. And of course, they're going to try and save even more cap money. And it's the sick podcast. One word that best describes the trade for you or the first word that comes to your mind when you found out about this trade, you can send it to us via message on Twitter, on Facebook, or on YouTube. And if you really love the Sick Podcast, comment Sick, and that'll be our way of feeling the love. Jack, I'm going to say it right now. I saw the initial reaction from a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans who said, love Kent Hughes, love Jeff Gordon, love the direction they've gone in, but they lost this deal. A lot of people are saying that the Canadians have lost this deal. So I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Canadians won this deal. I really believe the Canadians won this deal. Jeff Petrie is going to turn 35 in December. He makes $6.25 million. He just had the worst season of his career. And yes, he can bounce back. And yes... 34 doesn't mean you're done. But they acquire Mike Matheson, who skates like the wind, who carries the puck as good as most defensemen in the National Hockey League, who is in the prime of his career, about eight or nine years into his NHL career, who makes less money on the cap. They save money. I mean... I don't think the Canadians lose this deal. I like it now. At the same time, if you want the Canadians to win all, like, like this deal will not make the Canadians much, 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 much better right away. But it, it, I think it makes them, you know, I don't think they lose anything. And I think people have to understand one thing, Jack. They are rebuilding they're not going to be trading away the Petries of this world to get, you know, the best defenseman of the National Hockey League. I mean, they are rebuilding, correct? 
I would certainly hope so. I guess we'll see if they end up trading something for Pierre Dubois. But uh, yeah, I you know I I was maybe a little more optimistic that they'd be able to get some kind of future asset in exchange for Petrie. But it's it's evident based on this that that wasn't the case. And if you had to take money back, then at least they got a guy who is younger, who fits their system, uh, who is, I think, a bet. And honestly, if Matheson doesn't work out, if he regresses back to what he was before this season, then, like you said, they're rebuilding. They can make it work. By the time they'll be competitive, that contract will either be over or movable, you know. So I I, 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 I think... It's not a terrible contract. Matheson's contract is not a terrible contract. It's a movable contract. At the very least, you know what? You eat a little bit of it, and you can definitely move it. But, you know, here's a guy from Point Claire. Here's a guy, local kid coming back. Kent Hughes knows him, has known him for the longest time. Um, I, I like it. I really, really like it. And I don't understand people that don't like it. For the Penguins... They had to make this move because if they thought that Petrie was going to be able to bounce back with Crosby and with Malkin and with Latang, three players who are in their mid-30s, they want to try and go for it one or two more years, probably. They're in win mode now. The Canadians are in, let's try and build something now. Let's put together a good, young, skating, exciting team that skates fast and plays fast and thinks fast. You know what? I think it's okay for both teams, but in the end, you know why I don't like it for the Penguins? Because I think the Penguins chose the wrong strategy. The Penguins won, I don't know, what is it? Three Stanley Cups or whatever it is with the nucleus that they have, they did their winning. If I was the Penguins, I would have gone way of the rebuild. I really would have. And, um, you know, you... Maybe they don't want to go rebuild because they have Sidney Crosby, and I can understand that. With all due respect to Latang and Malkin, if I was the Penguins, I would have gone rebuild. And so I think Pittsburgh loses the deal. Um, if they win a Stanley Cup, well, then they won the deal. I don't think they will. Uh, based on what I saw this year in the playoffs, I don't think they will. They're getting older. They're not going to get better. Well, I mean, I certainly disagree with you on on most of what you just said about the Penguins, but uh, I, wow. I, I understand the I understand the impulse. I mean, from my perspective, you know, like like in the playoffs, I thought they played terrific. They they outplayed the Rangers easily in almost every game. Uh, the goaltending ended up screwing them. They ended up you know dropping a lot of leads that they definitely shouldn't have dropped. But I think all indications from the Penguins this season was that they're not. They're not quite done yet. And like you said, all those guys are going to get older. But if you have Sidney Crosby on the roster, okay. on contract for the next three years, you're not going to be rebuilding no matter what. So you might okay. as well okay. Perfect. keep, the, keep the legacy question. going. You like Pittsburgh's future better than Toronto? Uh, well, no. No. Okay. I, I mean, okay. the, the Toronto core is certainly much younger. Perfect. You like Pittsburgh's future better than Tampa? Uh, no. No. Okay. But you, it, you like Pittsburgh's future better than Carolina? Uh, no, but I still think that they can compete in the next two years or so. Okay. You like Pittsburgh's future better than the Rangers? Uh, well, I mean, I certainly like their presence better than the Rangers if they weren't playing an AHL or in the cage for the first round. All right. Well, you know what? I hope for Pittsburgh, they're going to be able to avoid all the teams that we just talked about. If they will, then they have a chance at the cup. If they don't, then I don't think they do. Well, they, they could have beat any of those teams. They, 
they they obviously didn't end up beating the Rangers. They ended up kind of shooting themselves in the foot a bit. But yeah. uh, all you can do in hockey, you know, the, the best team doesn't win every single series. And there's no reason to think that it's impossible that the Penguins could be the better team against one of those teams, even if maybe their roster on paper isn't going to be as strong. But ultimately, even if they only give themselves a solid shot at winning in the next couple of years, you still have Crosby on under contract. You can't you can't go into the last couple of years of his deal just you know tanking and, and losing on purpose. So yeah, you might as well play. just put yourself in the best position possible. And you know we'll see what Petrie looks like, but clearly yeah. they're going to stick with that philosophy. And I mean it's like the Capitals too; they, they're doing the same thing with uh, with Ovechkin. The rebuild will come; it will be extremely painful, but you might as well just try to squeeze everything you can out of the last years of of this core and all three of them especially Crosby and into are still excellent players so you might as well just just give it a shot if it yeah. goes sideways then it goes sideways you have your three cups in the bank but as a penguins fan I am much you. happier you know enjoying the rest of this window with this core and then dealing with the pain when it comes listen, listen I, I know it's a very sentimental and a very loyal thing to do I just don't think it's the smart thing to do that's all uh, I think at one point you have to know when to uh, once again, uh, make those hard decisions and get younger. Like the Chicago Blackhawks, they they got their three cups. They did what they had to do. Here's the deal. Uh, they're trading away everybody. They got to start trading away Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves, right? Because they're not going to win with what they have. I mean, and Taves and Kane are not going to get better going forward. So anyway, I gave you my take, but um, I, I, you know, I, I like it. I like it for the Canadians, and I appreciate you coming on. And talking about all those great charts that you put together and all the great work that you did for us and explaining it to us. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. All right. There you have it. Jack Fraser of EP Ringside. I'm going to continue to go on here and talk about this and I'll get to your questions. Send them in and uh, and I'll try and answer them as best as I can. So now here's the deal. You're probably looking at the Canadians on the right side of defense and they have David Savard. Justin Barron, and Chris Weidman. On left D, you now have Joel Edmondson, Michael Matheson, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Corey Schooneman. The list goes on and on. Kent Hughes, probably about an hour ago, met with members of the media via Zoom call, and he talked about some players, some defensemen the Canadians have that can play right D. He mentioned Matheson as one of them, Jordan Harris as another, and Corey Schooneman as another. One of them will possibly play right D, or the Canadians are possibly going to go out and try and find the right-handed defenseman. One or the other is going to happen. But once again, we're talking about a team that's trying to make cap space. We're talking about a team that's trying to get younger. We're ta- trying talking about a team that's trying to get faster, play faster, think faster. And I think this deal accomplishes that. And as Kent Hughes said, could they have kept Jeff Petrie? Yeah, they could have. But the risk of having an unhappy player is that it becomes an unhappy locker room because others see that he's unhappy. And an unhappy player usually ends up being an unproductive player. So... You make the deal. 
Petrie's happy. His family's happy. You would think Michael Matheson is happy. You would think his family's happy. You would think everyone's happy. Ryan Paling goes to a place where he's got a brand new fresh start. He was going nowhere here, folks. He was going nowhere here. He wasn't beating out um, Jake Evans. He wasn't beating out Dvorak. He's not going to beat out Doc. And if there's other players that are going to play the center ice position here going forward, he probably wouldn't beat them out either. Um, unfortunately, the unfortunate thing in, in all of this, though, is that it's a um, it's another first-round draft pick that is traded away. I think it was my buddy Andrew Zadarnowski of Habs Eyes on the Prize uh, who basically tweeted out a list of all the draft picks in the first round who are no longer with the organization. Starting going back to 05, Carey Price was their first round pick, fifth overall. Carey's still here. But in 06, David Fisher, 20th overall, gone. 07, Max Pacioretty, 22nd, gone. That same year, Ryan McDonough, 12th, gone. 2009, Louis LeBlanc, 18th overall, gone. 2010, 22nd overall, Jared Tenorti, gone. 2011, 17th overall, Nathan Bolia, gone. 2012, third overall, Alex Galchenyuk, gone. 2013, 25th overall, Michael McCarron, gone. 2014, 26th overall, Nikita Sherback, gone. 2015, 26th overall, Noah Juleson, gone. 2016, Ninth overall, Mikhail Sergachev, gone. 2017, 25th overall, Ryan Paling is now gone. And of course, in 2018, third overall, Jesperi Kakanyemi, gone. 2019, their first round pick at 15th overall was Cole Caulfield. And hopefully he sticks around because if he doesn't, it's going to be someone else is going to be gone. But no, just kidding aside, Cole Caulfield's not going anywhere. That's the good news. He's not going anywhere. Carey Price, I don't know if Carey Price is going to play for the Montreal Canadiens anymore. Based on the way his injury is going, Kent Hughes told us, you know what? He does well until he steps on the ice, and then all of a sudden that's when things don't seem to go well anymore, and there's a little bit of a setback. Let's get to some of your questions. Let's go. Roger Bouchard, why can't the Habs move Matheson's contract right now? Okay. Um, so if you move Matheson... Then you're going to have Savard, Barron, Weidman, Harris, Gooley, Edmondson. Aren't they just better off having Matheson in the lineup? No, like they want him. Listen, don't forget, even though I want the team to be, you know, organically not that strong so that they don't win that many games and they have a great shot of having a top three or four pick over the next couple of years. Kent Hughes has made it very clear that he wants experienced defensemen to show some of the younger players the way and be mentors. You know, Mike Matheson had one eight or nine years ago, and now at age 28, eight or nine years into his career, it's time for him to be a mentor to somebody else. So why trade away Matheson? You saw those offensive numbers. You saw the advanced stats. He carries the puck into the offensive zone as good as anybody. He skates like the wind. He's from here. You think he wants to be here. He's at a, a number that's manageable in terms of cap money. Why would you want to move him? I'm not moving him. I'm good. I'm happy he's here. Next.
Sol Perrette, did Palin get a fair shot in Montreal, Tony? That's an interesting question, but at the end of the day, let me ask you this. Did he not get a fair shot? How many times did Ryan Palin go out there and actually blow you away and you said, you know what, I I don't know. I, You can make an argument maybe that he didn't because he played fourth-line minutes. He played with fourth-line players. But Michael Pozzetta didn't get a lot of ice time. And Michael Pozzetta played with more heart, more grit, more work ethic, more pride, and more determination than Ryan Paling did, in my opinion, with less opportunities. He took advantage of the opportunities that he got. I thought he was hungry in training camp, and I thought Pizzetta deserved to start the season here in camp, and I didn't think Paling did. So um, you can make an argument that probably he didn't, but I, I don't, you know, I think they were fair. I think they were fair. Others, when do you think Doc is going to get signed? I wouldn't worry about Kirby Doc. They made a deal for him. It's, it's, it's to be here because, I, you know, I read reports that, you know, some people are wondering if Kirby Doc is going to get flipped and, uh, you know, now they're going to end up flipping him and stuff like that and try and get Dubois or whatever it is. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I don't rule it out, but I don't think so. The only thing we have to wait and see now is Kirby Doc a number three centerman or is he a number two centerman? If he's a number two centerman, the Canadians are going to be in a really good position going forward. Next. Hughes said he was looking into veteran right-handed defenseman. What are the odds it's P.K. Subban? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, P.K. would have to come here at a huge discount. The Canadians don't have a lot of money available. If he would want um, a very manageable number, I think anything's possible. I think, of course, there's a large sector of the fan base who would like to see him come back home because this was his first home. And um, I, I doubt it, though. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. Next. Who's the next Canadians player to be traded? Anybody who's making a lot of money that the Canadians probably are going to think is not playing is not earning that money or uh, is a, you know, is a player that's not going to be back. You know, I think um, going forward, Jonathan Drouin and Mike Hoffman aren't going to be Montreal Canadiens long-term. Drouin's contract is up at the end of the year. I don't know if he's going to be the next one to be traded, but I don't think he's going to be in the plans here in Montreal going forward. And neither will Mike Hoffman. I hope Drouin proves me wrong. It would be cool if he can turn it around. Next. Will we sign Sean Farrell? I had a chance to see Sean Farrell at Habs Development Camp. He, Lane Hudson, and Uri Slavkowski were the three players that impressed me the most. I can tell you that Farrell really, really impressed me. I'm going to go two more minutes. Couple more questions. From uh, Tanmoy Nuaz. I think the Habs should do anything they can to land Bedard, Michkov, or Fantilli. What do you think? I'm buying what you're selling. 
I'm hoping the Canadians end up having the first, second, or third draft pick in 2023. Those players are very, very good players. You need to be bad for an extended period of time if you want to be good for a long period of time and give yourself a solid chance at the Cup, just like Colorado. I've said that before. I'm going to continue to say it again. They drafted McKinnon at one, Landis Cog at two, Byram and Makar at four, Nachushkin and Rantanen at 10. If they would have been bad for two years and they would have drafted McKinnon at one and Landis Cog at two, they don't win the Cup. You know, if they would have drafted McKinnon at one, Landis Cog at two, and Byram at four, they don't win the Cup. You have to be bad for several years. A couple more. Hey, Tony, I keep seeing rumors of the Jets wanting Caulfield or Suzuki and a trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think there's no chance the Canadians are going to trade either of those players for Pierre-Luc Dubois. No chance. I'd be shocked. Let's take one more. For Tony, should the Habs try and get John Klingberg out of Dallas? Uh, John Klingberg is very, very good. Very, very good. And um, it all depends, though. You try and acquire a very, very good player. How much money is that player going to cost you? And um, look, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I want the Canadians, and I know it's not the popular thing to say, but I think it's the logical thing to say, okay? I'm detaching myself of any emotions here whatsoever. I think the best thing for the Montreal Canadiens is to be bad for several years. Teams that are bad for one year and then try and win, it doesn't work out. It just doesn't. Take a look at the Canadians when they were bad and they drafted Galchenyuk third overall. They tried to patch the team after and they didn't win. Take a look at when they drafted Kokkinemi third overall. They tried to patch the team after and they didn't win. It just doesn't work out. It doesn't. Uh, we'll take a few more questions. All right. I was going to stop it, but we'll take a few more. And why don't you message sick if you're loving this podcast? S I C K. I hope you are. Because the second we found out Jeff Petrie got traded, we waited for Kent Hughes to speak. And once he finished speaking, probably about 15 minutes later, um, we went live. We're taking our sports seriously here and our hockey seriously and our Montreal Canadiens seriously. We got breaking news. We go to it. We don't talk golf here. All right. Okay. Mohammed, thank you, Tony, for doing this podcast on Saturday. It's my pleasure. I have nothing else to do with my life. I'm just kidding. I'm happy to do it. If it was tomorrow, it would be another story because, you know, my son has a game tomorrow and my son's games are very important to me. All right, next. Tony, do you think Kent is making cap space for Bergeron? No. Bergeron will be back with the Bruins. Next. One year. Pierre-Luc Dubois in exchange for Evans and Sean Farrell in a first-round pick? I'm going to repeat what I said. I don't want the Canadians to get better right away. And a player who's traded two or three times in the span of three years, for me, there's warning signs there. The last player that wanted to come home, it didn't work out too well. Next. Are we better with Matheson than Petrie and Paling? Matheson is a better fit for what the Canadians are trying to accomplish here going forward. Alleviating cap space? 
getting younger, great skater, plays fast, skates fast. Just what the doctor ordered, in my opinion. Couple more. Mo, what will happen with Price if Drury stays on LTIR? Um, Drury will not stay on LTIR. And if I had to guess, I would guess that Price is going to end up going on LTIR. One more. And that's it. I'm going to go on my spa. Tofael Ali. Hire Jagger to help develop Slavkovsky and guide him. That would be sick. You know what? That is a sick idea. Number 68, Yarmir Jagger. Love them as a player. Had a very long career. Some experts believe that Uri Slavkowski has a little bit of Jagger in him. Man, even if he has a little bit of Jagger in him, he's going to go on to make one hell of a hockey player. I can't wait to watch him. That's it for me. Tell all your friends about the sick podcast. We mean business. Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, follow us. I know over a thousand of you are watching on YouTube right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Tell your friends about it. Tell them to subscribe. It's absolutely free. Sharing is caring. Share this video on Facebook. Share this video on Twitter. Share this video on YouTube. Why? Because I'm Marinero. Marination is running wild in Montreal. The word is out. This podcast is sick. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you.